Welcome to Storytime with Uncle Reddit, a podcast where I read some of the best posts from across Reddit and around the web. Each episode is a collection of funny content that includes subjects like tales from tech support, entitled parents, choosing beggars, pro-revenge, and more. Today's episode is all about tales from tech support. Handover of work, total disaster. So I'm working at the moment in this big corporation and they've decided some time ago to switch to outsource support model. My contract ends the end of February, and for the last 12 months, no one contacted me about anything. Literally, no contact, no questions, nothing. I was only receiving requests for setting up access for those people. In theory, from 4th of January, they took over all support. I'm still at the company only because of a few unfinished projects that got delayed by global teams. And since Monday, the stuff is hitting the fan, almost constantly. People in the company are not fully aware of me being phased out, so they contact me with any problems specific to their applications. I refer them to the outsource people, and every single time, within 5-10 to minutes, after I refer people to them, they contact me asking for help because they have no clue. One of the managers decided to create a meeting to transfer knowledge. That meeting just finished. It was supposed to be a 30 minutes call. It lasted over 90 minutes and I'm shocked by the lack of knowledge of those guys. I don't want to go into too much detail, but one part of my job is, or rather was, officially it's their job now, to set up backups on the workstations. It's one of the simpler tasks. Some of the questions I got during that call, why do we need to do backups? Why do we need to monitor backups? Why did we need to install agent on the computers and configure it? What happens when we restore the files? What happens with the PC that we restore the image to? Does the data that was on it stay there? I explain why the automatic restore option doesn't work and why we need to use a specific port and specific method to restore images. And 10 minutes after the call was finished, I got questions from different people asking, why do we have to do it? The problem is that in the next few weeks, there will be plenty of new workstations installed throughout the office and labs. Since I'm no longer officially part of the support team, I won't be getting any access to them. Backup is only a fraction of what needs to be done. I know for a fact that those guys have no clue how to even launch a command prompt as local administrator on a machine. Domain accounts are prohibited from being local admins by global policy. So yeah, I expect a total disaster. Wondering what I should do in that situation because I know they'll be bothering me all day long. Would you guys do anything to help them? My days in that company are soon to be over. I have very good relations with my managers on site. I know they're peeved by the decision from corporate about outsource support, so in theory, I should just tell everyone to F off and finish my projects and say goodbye. Example from just a minute ago, one guy was asking again why the automated process for restoring images wouldn't work, so I explained it was because of NAC implemented on the network and he replied with this. Network access control is an approach to computer security that attempts to unify endpoint security technology. (laughs) Like, what the heck? Why are you copying and pasting Wikipedia to me? Is that a question or what? I'm really sorry for all the people working here, as I know that this disaster is coming. And at the same time, I'm wondering what the corporate was thinking when they decided to switch from local support model to outsource. Well, I know what they were thinking. Money. The problem is the outsource people live literally 6,000 miles away and have no clue about anything. And I think they're only starting to realize that this is a serious contract, not sitting on your butt and digging up your nose. Yup, it is all about money, it's the bottom line. 
And honestly, even though most of them don't know what they're doing, they'll find one person that can sort of play catch-all and do what you're doing and run around putting out fires and putting band-aids on things. And uh, just enough to keep people from getting too ticked off and still make their bottom line. It's sad, but it's the way of the world. But it has links. It must be an IT issue. A little background. I currently work for an outsourced IT company. Man, a lot of outsourcing. I wonder if they work for the outsourced company from the last story. And I have several companies for clients. I'm a basic tier 1, level 1 analyst for most of my clients. I have one main client that I work for the entire time I'm on queue. And they have loads of software that I don't have access to. Most software is managed by their IT department, but some custom software is managed by various other departments within their company. Here's what happened. Me equals me, tier 1 desk jockey. IP, impatient caller. T2, the cool tier 2 analyst. IP. Hi, I'm trying to prepare for a presentation at 9, and I can't access the links from custom software. I need you to help me. I've logged out of it, logged back in, restarted my computer, and nothing's working. Me. Okay, I'm not familiar with custom software, but let me take a look and see what articles I have so I can help. Click, click. Okay, so custom software isn't supported by IT, so here are the people you need to contact because they're the ones in charge of the software. IP. But it has links. I can't click the link. This is an IT issue if it has links. Me. Yes, while they are links, the software itself is not supported by IT, and you still need to get in contact with these other people. Here are their... IP. There's no one in IT that can help me? Me. No, not really, but what I can do is escalate your ticket to a Tier 2 analyst, and they'll likely tell you the same thing. IP. Or they can help me instead, because you know it's a link issue, not a custom software issue. <laughs> Me, clicking away on my really cool mechanical keyboard. Documentation is key here, and I included the KVA number, plus the instructions for whom to contact in case something like this happens. IP. What is taking so long? Why aren't you transferring me? Me, because I have to type out your ticket first so that when the Tier 2 sees the ticket, he or she can best help you. IP. Oh, okay. That would be wonderful. Thanks. I politely assured her that she would get the issue resolved no thanks to me, and transferred her over to Tier 2. A few minutes later, I refreshed her ticket on my screen, and it was closed. I looked at T2's notes. T2. Directed her per KB, which is the OP. That's sort of a malicious compliance, petty revenge, and tech support all rolled into one. I like that. Construction malfunction. This takes place in about 2007, Working cable internet tech support for one of the big guys. Had the most common of calls. Someone's internet isn't working. He says it hasn't worked for a few days. My tools show me we haven't been able to get a connection to the cable modem for a few days. Easy first step, right? Reset the modem. Check the cables. I do notice he's got an unusually old cable modem registered with us. One of the earliest models possible. Wouldn't surprise me in the least if it had just given up the ghost. Well, he wants to do this without that step which is, uh, mostly pointless. Best I can do on my end is verify that his neighborhood doesn't have any outages. His neighbors are running just fine. I can send a reset signal to the modem, but it doesn't seem to do anything. No surprise at all. He complains and complains every time I want him to check the modem, until I finally convince him that it's the only step we've got left. Then he explains why. 
Apparently, a few years back, he was doing a little bit of renovations on the room his PC was in, with a contractor friend doing the work. Somehow, together, their brains hit upon a great idea. Why have to look at a gaudy modem flashing its lights all the time when you could just wire them up inside the wall? Then wire up a fancy RJ45 port to just connect to. Like a proper professional office. <laughs> I can see where this is going, oh my gosh. Yes, this genius had his cable modem literally wired to power and cable inside of his wall, then hooked up to a nice clean RJ45 jack that he plugged the computer into. Might have been a router switch involved. I can't remember, and it wouldn't have been my problem. There's probably at least one code violation in there, but not my problem either. And literally no way to get to that modem without at least cutting a piece out of the drywall. So I told him there wasn't a darn thing we were going to be able to do with it like that. He's going to have to get to that modem. He's now approaching ballistic. We better figure out something. All that jazz. He's not even friends with that contractor buddy anymore, so he can't even get in there without smashing his way in or actually hiring somebody. He insists we send someone out to him. Now, obviously, that's not a thing our guys do. Best case is, we might hook him up with a fresh modem and leave his old one to be found by future generations. I tell him that, and no, he wants someone out to make it work the way he wants. Whatever. I set him up for a tech. Full notes on what's going on, and remind the customer that we charge for a tech if it's something that's not our problem. This is usually the most empty promise ever, because the company policy was to 99.99% never charge for a tech just to make sure there's no chance of liability or angry customers from it. In four years, I think I saw three charges. This was one of them. I don't know exactly what happened because I checked in a week later and the tech had closed the ticket with the code for not our problem, but nothing else. The customer canceled later that day. Sometimes I wonder if that modem's still in the wall. I get wanting things to be streamlined and not have a bunch of cables and machinery sitting around. I, I really do. Uh, that's where you build a little cabinet with some ventilation and stick it in there. Oh boy. By the way, if you're hearing background noise right now, that's because my lovely children and their friends who are over this evening for a sleepover are having fun downstairs, and every bit of that sound is vibrating up through the walls. I tried bribing them to be quiet for a little while, but it didn't take. Sorry, guys. Computer that won't power on, gone wild. I work in tech support for an authority, and we have multiple locations to support. Normally, the tickets I'm responsible for don't require me to drive to the other locations, but since multiple colleagues called in sick, I helped out with the on-site support. There I am doing on-site support when I get a call from one of my colleagues. Colleague, hey, I heard you near location one. Can you check out location two on your way back? Me, sure thing, what's the matter? Location two seems to have a PC that won't power on. Me. I'll see what I can do. When I reached location 2, they showed me said PC. I press the power button, and indeed nothing happens. So I do the usual, like checking all the cables, plugging the power cord in a different power outlet, and borrowing the power cord from a working printer next to the PC. Nothing. I think to myself, seems like a PSU problem, maybe. I unplug every cable, open the case, and only plug in the power cord. One last try, maybe it works. I press the power button. P-A-F-F. High pitched. Uh, I'm greeted with smoke coming out of the chipset, which has shot half of its mass across the room. Well, guess I have to come back with a new one. I tell the staff from Location 2 that I'll be coming back with a new PC. An hour later, I'm back with a new PC and a new power cord. I plug everything in and it boots just fine. And just for those of you who are on YouTube watching this, and sorry guys on the uh, podcast... 
Here's the picture of the chipset. That got hot. I don't think I've ever seen one do that. Oh well. Yeah, I'd sure like to know what set that off. I, I It looks like maybe something shorted out, but who knows. Um, leave things plugged in. I got called out 20 minutes before kickoff for the Super Bowl. A local real estate firm was freaking out because the whole network was down. Phones, internet, intranet, everything, even Wi-Fi. We can't do anything. This is costing us thousands. Your company better be out here in 10 minutes or we're suing. I tried some basic troubleshooting over the phone, but the office Karen demanded I come on site. Weekend emergency call. Okay, let's see what's going on. Five minutes before kickoff, I drove out of the office about 15 minutes away. They take me to the IT closet. I immediately see the problem and try to stifle my chuckle. She hears me and starts freaking out again. This better be fixed now. Oh, it is. As I leaned over and plugged their UPS back in. While everything started to buzz and power up, I asked how long that had been unplugged and how long they'd been down. Turns out the housekeepers were told if they only needed power for a few minutes, they could unplug that and power supply would keep it going. They used the closet for storage, too. So housekeeper was there at 6am, forgot to plug the UPS back in. Agents came in at 8. Network went down around 2. Call IT around 4.15. Back home for halftime. Edit. I did let them know the UPS is only for emergencies, and the housekeeper should be using the outlet right outside the door, not the one in the IT closet. We also added a monitor to the UPS to know when it loses power. Love it when people cause their own problems and then want to threaten you with lawsuits. People are amazing. Well, you shouldn't have fired the IT guy then. In a past life, I worked for an MSP, and we got a new client. The IT guy was at his wit's end. He had been there for five years, and in the last three, he hasn't had a day away from work. The straw that broke the camel's back was returning from the beach to his hotel room to find several messages from reception. There were work calls asking about mundane stuff. So he hired us to help out so he could actually get back on track with his workload and occasionally actually have a holiday. It turns out his employers were very, very tight-fisted, and within two weeks of hiring us, their boss, a man who hears only what he wants to hear, and ours, a salesman who thinks everything is a sales opportunity, it seems we, I, were going to do in half a day, a week, what this person had been doing full-time. Now, as I said, my boss was a salesman. Their boss heard what he wanted. I've always pictured the conversation they must have had as the montage moment with three cells on a TV screen. One with the inner monologue of my boss on the left, one with the inner monologue of theirs on the right, and the real life events going on in the middle. Somehow my boss thought he had negotiated to sell them a new phone system. I only do IT, not telephony. And their boss thought that we would take over maintenance of their ancient Toshiba analog system. Many other similar misunderstandings between them took place that day. Their old IT guy was the absolute epitome of anything with a plug on it is my department. That is not how my company worked. The MSP I worked for had some characters, and some jaded employees who didn't care this client would quickly make them transform to the latter. The client mailed across their works list, and the girl who scheduled calls diligently copied and pasted the contents of the email into the works order. Replied, that's all fine to the client. She had only been doing this job for 15 years. 
She had still yet to learn to review client requests. I arrived for my first half day at the client. My site contact came up and we were going to prioritize the list I was handed. Me. Uh, item two? Contact. Oh yes, can we do that one first? Me. Uh, change the strip light in your office as the bulb is flickering? Contact. Yes, it's so annoying. Me. Uh, no, no, no. I only do information technology. Computers, servers, network hardware, broadband, etc. I don't change light bulbs. Contact. Oh, but the last IT guy did all of that. It was the start of a long half day. Other items included, look at the AC unit that was making noise. Reprogram three extensions on the Toshiba phone system. Swap the first and second floor copiers between floors. Of a list that was 14 items long, only three were actual IT issues. This client soon became a regular contributor of some of the most head-in-hands cases we ever had received. Oh, but the last IT guy did all that, became their closing statement. With such greats as a panicked call at 1758. Help! Our door security system won't let us lock the front door. It turns out their IT guy did the door entry system for the whole building as a side hustle when they moved in. They had money but didn't like spending it. They had a team of accountants in Singapore because they were cheap. But the accountants kept resigning because they couldn't do the work as the account system was based in England and they were connecting over remote desktops to the UK office, running on an 8 megabit down and 1 megabit up ADSL line. I remember the meeting. It was great. CB equals client boss. Me equals me. IT equals internal IT guy. CB. Another accountant resigned and complained the systems are too slow. IT. Like I said, we have a slow broadband line. We need a fast, low latency line, not a home user speed one. CB. Me. What do you think? Me. I agree. Your line is far too slow. It would be unworkably slow, making the job impossible. You need a leased line. CB. Eh, too expensive. As I said, my boss was a salesman, so he sold them. Another 8 megabit DSL. <laughs> I had to sit the bosses down and draw a picture to tell both bosses why the new line and all the load balancer settings in the world would not fix this. Here's a sinking ship. You need a big pump capable of shifting hundreds of gallons a minute to get the water out. You currently have a bucket. Instead of selling them a big pump, you sold them another bucket. One of the final nails in the coffin was the logs from their door entry system. There was a corner office with a DB9 wall port, which had a serial cable going to a workstation with Never Turn Off or Move Door Entry Database Computer written all over it. We got the support call that the ops lady couldn't get the door entry logs. The database connects, but there were no logs for the last month. I went there. The computer was gone. They had a new starter. <laughs> they had a new starter. I recognized the chassis under his desk. Again, I had to give them a puppet show. For your entry logs to be recorded, this computer had to be in that corner office with that big long cable plugged into the back. That big long cable is resting on the floor without it connected. This computer doesn't get the new logs. What about last month's logs? How do we get them back? Uh, you don't. It was real-time serial connection from the door system. Why did this computer get moved? The boss thought it was doing nothing and moved it himself. He didn't want to buy a new one. I was very happy to say we parted ways shortly after that. We told them they required an on-site guy permanently. They hired the cheapest person they could find. For three weeks, he was logging tickets daily, asking about how things worked. 
We could have gotten him up to speed if we had six months, but after three weeks, they canceled their support contract. The last I saw of their new hire was him leaving the local supermarket with a job application form. Ouch. Yeah, honestly, I'd rather bag groceries at a supermarket or build bikes at Walmart or clean toilets somewhere else than deal with something like that. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.